Welcome to Return to Oz Minute, the podcast where we analyze the 1985 Disney classic Return to Oz one minute at a time. I'm Tierney Steele. And I'm Mike Carlucci. And once again, we've got our special guests from the Mad Max Minute, Rick and Julia Ingham. Hello. Hi. <laughs> you guys, I, I, it's it's Star Trek Bridgman. <laughs> <laughs> Mike called it. Absolutely. Uh, minute 90 <laughs> starts with um, a close-up of a bust I'm going to ask some questions about. Uh, the palace of objects shaking like crazy. And it ends with Jack Pumpkinhead being restored while the Gnome King does his best Ursula impression from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I want to start off. I noticed it at the very end of the last minute. Is that uh, Marcus Aurelius hanging out in the Gnome King's palace? Because we had seen Julius Caesar earlier this movie. <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced it's not the same bust as <laughs> Mommy had. No, 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 no. It doesn't have the same haircut. This one's got yeah. this one's got a beard, a mustache, and curly hair. It's definitely later than the one we saw in Mobby's Palace. Oh, yeah, no, that, that, yeah, that is a different guy. Okay, so he's, he's not a returning character. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's just a fluke, but I tried to Google Julius Caesar bust, <laughs> and Google was like, oh, something's gone wrong. And I'm like, that's, that's a pretty normal thing to be Googling. I think my Google's just broken. It doesn't want me Googling while I'm supposed to be podcasting, but... Um, I just like the idea that that's what broke it. Yeah, I'm guessing, if not Marcus Aurelius, from more that time period. But I'm going off of movies that may or may not be historically accurate. Um, but we move on to the goat moving around. A little bit of hustle. Yeah, I don't know how he manages to go anywhere with the way he, like, lumbers. But he, he does manage to. He's got such short, little stumpy feet. He's kind of like the mm -hmm. weird mix between a moose, a furniture store clearance, and a dachshund. <laughs> yes. And that's why I love him. <laughs> I just love anything. Oh, the best is when you see um, dog breed mixes where uh, Corgi is involved and it's a dominant mm -hmm. breed. So it'll look like the other dog breed but with the little tiny legs and i'm sorry i'm getting excited anyway um and yeah i had the note to talk about the actor who plays the scarecrow but this is another great performance minute for just in case god that is fun <laughs> so goofy <laughs> yep yep uh he staggers around a bit um, I guess I'll keep going in kind of a little wrap-up for this minute, and then we can pick it apart. Um, the palace starts to fall apart. It's very... I guess this is something you filmed the last day on set. You know, like, it Gone with the Wind when they set it on fire. Because <laughs> things are... They're not resetting this. <laughs> or if they do, I feel very bad for them, and that was silly. Um, the walls start to fall apart. The Gnome King starts to rise up. In the broken bits with the red fire of his fiery furnaces behind him. And Jack, oh, Jack, uh, the scarecrow spots a green item 
that really should have been spotted, like, right away, because it's right there. And when Dorothy restores it, it is Jack Pumpkinhead. And that's what happens in this minute. <laughs> now let's enjoy what happens in this minute. It's so... So we talked about the gut moving around, because as we... It started last minute. The entire place is shaking. And this, the walls actually start to crumble and fall apart. Uh, we do see a couple items take a tumble. I hope those aren't people who now will never be yeah. restored. Or... That's a lot of deep questions that I don't think they expected us to ask as children watching a Disney Yeah, movie. we've got a lot of questions lately. And I love in this minute how Dorothy runs up to the Gump and she's like, what's happening? And the Gump's like, I was going to ask you the same thing. I have no <laughs> clue what's going on. And I'm like, you and me both, Gump. You and me both. <laughs> Why would I know? <laughs> that speaks to me on a very personal level. <laughs> He is returned, and he is still still good for a reaction quote. It's like, I was born yesterday. I was literally born yesterday. Don't ask me these questions. And I've been in an anime... You've seen me my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> Second life. Except for one... <laughs> Except for about three minutes where I touched things with my antlers. That's it. That's all you missed. <laughs> uh, yeah... Furs about this perfectly fine worried face. It's just that that's kind of all she has to do in this minute. Yeah, she kind of takes a back seat in this minute and just kind of lets things happen around her. She just sits down on the sofa and waits there. <sighs> she looks concerned. And to be fair, once uh, Jack has the green vase and is like, Dorothy, it's green, she leaps into action. It's not like she's passive. It's just for the majority of this minute, the focus is not on her. I guess um, I'm much more distracted by the the staggering scarecrow. The staggering scarecrow. That's really hard to say. I am baffled by the scarecrow's behavior in the, <laughs> the first moment that we see him in this minute. He is struggling to okay. carry a vase that is not green. Yep. And he drops the vase anyways, and it shatters on the floor. Probably inadvertently killing someone. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm interested in how he got himself in that situation. Yeah, why was it that... It, okay, hang on. I'm replaying it, and it looks like he walks by, he swipes the vase off of that column, or base, or plinth, or whatever they're called. Because um, I was trying to see if it was one where, like, it started to fall towards me, just instinctively grabbed it. And then once he was holding it, it was like, oh, God, I shouldn't drop this. Oh no, but he kind of picks it up. Is it maybe that he inadvertently knocks it down and therefore feels that he has to pick it up so that it doesn't fall down and break? I don't know. I'm looking at it's seconds 11 and 12. So at the beginning of second 10, we see Dorothy and the Gump. Then we see there's a taller column that's blocking most of the scarecrow's body except for his head. In second 11, that has a vase falling off it that's nowhere near him. And he's about to walk behind a column with another vase on it. And he just straight up, like, scoops it up with one arm as he goes by. <laughs> okay. I, I'm sure it is supposed to read, like, it fell into his arms. But it doesn't, we even get the sound effect of it, of him picking it up. Which is weird, because you know they had to, like, add that in later and do that mm -hmm. on purpose. 
But <laughs> so many people dying in <laughs> seconds. It's carnage. Just watching it over and over again, you hear so much crashing and shattering. Oh goodness. Um. Yeah, I, I'm willing to give it of the once it's in his arms, he feels the responsibility to keep hold on it, and then he just finally can't. I'm now really distracted by the statue behind him. Um, I'm looking at second 18, although it's throughout the scene. What's uh, what's going on back there? We're, we're back in Greco-Roman statue-ness. Or, I think. I don't actually know. I think I found the, I think I found the bust. I think it's Antonius Pius. Pius. Oh. Let's see. Where's the... Uh... See, Google lets you have fun while talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here staring Where's at this thing? statue that looks like it's dropped a horn. I'm going to drop it in the, in the chat, and I will uh, I'll post this when the episode goes up. Uh, he's a little ways down oh, okay. uh, in province, provenance and history. I think that's the actual, I think that's the same bust as in second one. I mean, hopefully a copy. Well, yeah. But I figured yes. they didn't they didn't use an original or, <laughs> or a, a unique the, item. Uh, the toga is definitely the same. And he's got the same type of hair. So, yeah, I'm willing. All right. Well, Antonius Pius is El Dunzo, I think, because <laughs> we see that go toppling over. <laughs> The Marcus Aureli, Aureli I, Aureli E, I don't know if you, you conjugate, I don't think you have to, have to conjugate names, but the Marcus Aurelius statues uh, all seem to have more arcing eyebrows. Oh, okay. As I'm, as I'm using my very limited knowledge of art to (laughs) analyze this, they have arcing eyebrows where this one looks a little more like Will Ferrell. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. But you do see like the hair is the same. And he yeah. also has facial hair, so you can see why I why I went there. Yeah. Oh, at first I thought for sure it was Marcus Aurelius until I was looking at the looking at the eyebrows. <laughs> I was like, oh, she got it dead on. <laughs> but I, yeah. now my my main theory is going on the uh, the banding on the on our right. Mm-hmm. I guess his left. Yeah. No, that looks exactly the same. Um, Sorry for those at home. We will we will post it so that you can join us. <laughs> and maybe I will try and screenshot or something this statue that I'm now fascinated by, which I guarantee I never looked at before in my life. Yes, the the uh, the dancing man or no scarecrow's dancing. He's just yeah. Sort of... Could it be a David? This is top notch podcast material right here. <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is top-notch listeners page material. Exactly. If their listeners want to understand, yeah. they have to go to the listeners page and visit the links. Absolutely. I have... Now, technically, you could follow along at home. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I have a question about the objects in this palace mm-hmm. being people turned into objects. So if the object depicts a person, is it depicting the person that the object once was? Hmm. I like the idea that it isn't necessarily that Antonius Pius wandered in here and was turned into an object by the Gnome King. <laughs> but I like the idea that someone who maybe had studied Antonius Pius, like someone who was an art historian who had worked with that and could picture, like, 
maybe they were thinking of that. Maybe this is a Gozer situation. They were thinking about that bust as they looked around this palace of objects. So when they turn into an object, that's what they turned into. That makes sense because our oh. gang, when they went in there, they were probably thinking about Oz. And and so yeah. when well, they turned, and the scarecrow yeah. looks like a he's some sort. He looks like an emerald. Uh, maybe the Gump was guessing about a different inkwell or whatever he is, and so that's why he turned into. You know, I I guess I kind of like that because it it makes it feel like you have some control over what happens. Um, let's see, and it would kind of explain why there are so many. Not duplicates, but same time, you know, we were saying there's kind of like the China room and, you know, all these vases on top of columns. And I, I, I kind of like that. Ooh, and I just switched over into the red, which happens exactly halfway through this minute. <laughs> I love the, the fiery furnaces arrive. I love the switch to the red because red is the opposite <laughs> color to green. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like this opposite switch was flipped. Which is funny, because it takes everything turning red for them to spot a green object. Yeah, you know, that that room was very brightly lit. It was lightly decorated. You would think that it'd be a little bit easier to find green objects in that room. And they'd been looking for green objects, and all of a sudden he glances off to his right, and is like, oh, right, it's not like it's hidden. Yeah, they should have found that one right away. (laughs) Yeah, that, that should have been one of the first things they found. But uh, Scarecrow redeems his uh, vase dropping of earlier. He pulls a, was it Willie Mays whose hat used to fly off? (laughs) His crown goes flying off as he catches the vase. Um, And I do love that she restores Jack Pumpkinhead and he is just on the Scarecrow. (laughs) (laughs) That feels right for those characters. You know, I imagine if... The scarecrow had not caught the vase, and Dorothy still turned the scarecrow. Or, sorry, Dorothy had still turned Jack Pumpkin into Jack Pumpkin. They would have had to like put him back, stop together and again. yeah, tie him back together again. Oh. He's one of those characters that's not necessarily a biological creature, and so there wouldn't be just horror as he comes back into existence. It would be oh, no. an arts and crafts project. Yeah. <laughs> such an upbeat way of looking at it i really or like um if if someone also made out of metal like tiktok fell maybe they'd be dented but they wouldn't be broken like they'd yeah. still be functional okay so we can just hope that everything that shattered was in some way protected by its original yeah. form that sounds good to me i i can accept that <laughs> <laughs> i have a question about Jack and Belina, who was hanging out inside of his head oh, at the yeah. time that he was turned, it it doesn't make sense that she would also be turned. It would make sense if there was a cavity inside that vase where Belina was just hanging out, not making any noise. Yeah. Because she's hanging out inside Jack's head, and so in, in theory it should have been really easy for Dorothy to find Jack Pumpkinhead first because Belina would just be hanging out inside a vase saying, hey, I'm in this vase. Dorothy, come help me get out of this vase. Like, the opening's not big enough. <laughs> then Dorothy would have made the green oh, object connection and it would, have, it would have accomplished the same goal. It just, you know, Belina would have served a earlier purpose. 
Oh, I have huge problems with the fact that Belina apparently just transforms. I have a huge problem with the fact that Belina apparently just transforms with Jack. And I'm trying to think of a good object within an object that could be Belina. But all I can think of, and I know this is a bad example, but um, you know the little toys you get as a kid that are the mazes with the ball bearing mm-hmm. in it? And you're trying to get it through there? <laughs> For some reason... That's the only thing I can think of where it's like, Jack would be the maze, the little ball would be Belina's object. Oh, I'm just glad that there wasn't some sort of mix-up with the magic where they were horrifically fused. Like, they came out of the vase, and because they went into the vase together, that Belina's, like, half-sticking out of Jack's head, like, I never asked for this. (laughs) Oh my god. But then That's we can real have an adorable sequel <laughs> called All of Me, <laughs> starring Lily Tomlin. Mm. <laughs> and A quick chime in from the te- uh, from the, the script, rather. I guess you, the script is the text. You can call it the text. That feels very official. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, <clears throat> coming in, uh, Jack Pumpkinhead was originally envisioned as a green porcelain fruit basket. I mean, I feel like that's going to open back up the gourd, melon, squash <laughs> argument. So I'm glad they didn't go that route. Like like a soup tureen would have been perfect. Because it would represent kind of lift the lid coming off. And <gasps> yeah. maybe that could be like if it had the spoon, the spoon could be Bolina. I like it. <laughs> I don't know. I... Um, yeah, I think, but then that wouldn't have fallen as dramatically. They needed the aerodynamic principles. (laughs) A fruit basket, it it would be too, just like too wide, right? Yeah, Yeah, it wouldn't have toppled. It wouldn't have the same. I suspect that the change in objects from the script to what actually came out in the movie was mostly due to what objects they could find at their you know, garage sales and Goodwill and Salvation Army, <laughs> what objects they could actually find in a green color. Yeah. No, that's, it's, it's fair. And it yeah. is a very, very pretty face. So I, I like it. I never had a problem with it till I was analyzing this movie minute by minute. I now have a lot of questions <laughs> that I didn't have as a child. I think that's the curse of the movie by minute makers. <laughs> You will suffer with us. <laughs> um, which reminds me, I uh, we did mention yesterday that you guys are from Mad Max Minute, but um, we didn't give you a chance to plug it. And also, I wanted to make sure we mentioned that you are on your second yep. season of Mad Max. So, moving quite yeah, along. Yeah, we started doing the Mad Max Minute in January of 2017. And we spent the first couple of months of the year talking about the original Mad Max from 1979. And once we finished that, we took a bit of a break. We did about three months of just hiatus material every other week, and then we came back in September talking about Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior. In fact, if people want to check out our first season and our hiatus material, it's all on our website, which is madmaxminute.com. You can go through, click through our episodes there, find the hiatus material, 
subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. And then if you want to interact with us more, we are on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, and we're on Facebook with our listeners page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. And if you would like to join Return to Oz Minute online, our listeners group is called the Return to Oz Minute Listeners Flying Sofa. That's where you can post if you were going to be an object, what object would you be? If you have theories on who these other objects could be, if you have theories behind the bust or the statue, uh, if you own a pumpkin soup tureen and want to post a picture because <laughs> it's, you know, it's October as we're recording and airing this, tis the season. That is a great place to do it, and you can find more of the podcast itself at returntoozminute.com, a.k.a. <laughs> Weogtiogpiog.com. Speaking of that, <laughs> would you like to start us off today? Weog? Tiog. Piog! Piog.